0: okay now we're on now we're on (laughs) oh todd what are we doing is this another craft brewed agile
1: yep we're drinking more beer today
0: more beer it feels like we've had more beer this week than we've had in other weeks i
2: was about to say something oh now (laughs) it's
0: but uh craft brewed agile here we are we've got we're back todd and i with dave west ceo of Scrum.org. eric nyberg you are what's your official title eric is it vp of marketing
3: uh uh, marketing and operations.
2: Nice. So we need to call him COO really. We just haven't got around to doing that. (laughs) We really should. So he's really the acting CEO, uh, COO of scrum.org.
0: Eric, I think we've got to a promotion
2: (laughs) (laughs) with no pay and just lots more accountability, (laughs) which is exactly the way that all promotions go. Right.
0: That sounds about right. So craft root agile with Dave and Eric, um, Gentlemen, thanks for joining us. Uh, we got to get this out of the way right off the bat. What are we going to drink today as we have this conversation?
2: Um, Shall I start as I'm the top, right? So I'm drinking the 87. That's the American Double Indian Pale Ale by Night Shift Brewing, a, a particular favorite of mine. As I said earlier, I'm not a massive fan of IPAs anymore. I used to be. uh uh, well when i was a kid nobody drank them it was all drank by old ladies sitting in bars in the north of england (laughs) and literally these little bottles and then it all got caught then then i got into it and then it got cool then i got out of it because everybody else was in it and um but i do like the work of night shift i think they do a really good job and i think the 87 not only does it have an owl on it which is um really important because it's a bird of prey that is kind of cool uh but it also um it just tastes nice it's a good it's a good beer, and it's big which is nice awesome.
0: eric what do you got
3: so since yesterday was st patrick's day i've got my uh my guinness todd and i were supposed to celebrate together yesterday but
1: uh this <laughs> this covid virus may have gotten in the way of that but i'll i'll stick with my uh, my guinness i'll take a rain check on that by the way eric
0: todd what do you have buddy
1: so I am uh, with Dave, a big one. Uh, this is Broken Heels IPA. It's uh, made by a rather new brewing company called new Trail. Uh They're based in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. So I thought I'd give it a whirl today.
3: deck. am the Little League World Series.
2: Uh,
1: yeah. And by the way, mine's from
2: Everett, Mass. So uh, which is uh, obviously a local brewer to where I am.
0: So I'm actually rocking. It's the it's Hazy Hero Hazy IPA. Uh, Revolution Brewing out of Chicago, so kind of local to me. Um, I'm not normally an IPA kind of guy, but this one's pretty tasty, so we're going to give this one a shot. Todd, what's our question for the day?
1: Okay, so this is, might catch you a little bit off guard, and might get, we might need to give you a, a second to think about it. Um, but think about a movie and a movie character that you can relate to that might or might not have to do with your career. So a movie and a movie character that you can relate to. Um, we can buy you time because I've had some time to think about this and I've got mine. Ryan, do you have yours?
0: I think so, I think I got mine.
1: Okay, why don't you go first? We'll give Ryan and Dave a little bit of time to process this and uh, yeah, shoot what you got.
0: So I always, when I think about movies and, and I go to the Bourne identity, here's why, right? Most of my career, I felt like I've had amnesia, not sure what I'm doing. Um, kind of get stuck in these weird situations but for some reason reflectively like the I you know I I can't fight like Jason Bourne I would get myself killed in a in a fight like that but whenever I've had to to do a job or learn something it feels like reflectively I'm able to actually kind of sort this stuff out and so I don't always know what's going on I'm always trying to piece it feels like my whole career I've been trying to piece things together but there's like been there's been these underlying skills that have helped me the entire time and you know still even what i like about that movie too is he fails a lot but he keeps going forward and i feel like my whole like the past 20 years has just been make a little progress get knocked a few steps back make a little like and finally you know when he, you get to the end of that first movie he starts like remembering things and i think that was like when i came into to scrum and agility started inspecting things adapting more experimenting more smaller bets and life got a little better and i think that you know, I kind of think of like the my career that way. So I gotta go born identity. I wish I could do the the crazy martial arts, but instead I just get hit a lot.
1: Yeah, let's make it let's do a jump kick. Jump kick oh. your door. Let's see what you got. There you go. <laughs> so mine is so, nowhere near of... that deep. Okay. Um, my mine will be fairly quickly because it's nowhere near as deep as Ryan's. I was gonna pick office space um, <laughs> and relating to Peter after like kicking my wall down so I get a good view of the parking lot and um And also thinking about uh, some Lumbergs I might have experienced in my life. Um, I also thought I would give a shout out to something that's not talked about in that movie quite a lot. And that's the jump to conclusions board that I really wish existed today because it might be fun to play around with.
0: Very cool. Eric, you got one? I think I
3: do. And first I want to say this is maybe the first meeting I've ever been in where I have the most hair. (laughs) Uh, i'm kind of excited about here uh but uh so somebody seriously so for me i'm I'm gonna say forrest gump um for for many reasons but one is if you remember forrest he got to meet lots and lots and lots of famous people right so in the movie forrest was uh when he got an award from lbj he was um he was on stage, I think, with Marilyn Monroe or somebody there, you know, he was just constantly meeting people and they had all those uh, Those those pictures of him meeting lots of famous people. And, and similarly, I've gotten to work with a lot of what I'll call famous people or rock stars in, in this industry uh, throughout my life. Um, starting with uh, really well, uh, you know, I, I built Uh, one of the first data modeling tools out there and was lucky enough to be the product owner for uh, a product called Irwin, which is probably the first data modeling tool that really was used globally um, in working with the people who really created um, ER diagramming and relationship diagramming. From there, I got invited to come to uh, a company called Rational Software and work with Grady Booch and Jim Rumbaugh. Uh, the guys who created the Rational uh, Unified Process and created UML, the Unified Modeling Language, and their own methods, uh, Booch method and uh, OMT from uh, from GE to create a data modeling profile in UML. Um, so I created them. I'll never forget when my first week at Rational, they said, "Well, why don't you give Grady and Jim a call and, and work with them on building this?" And I asked, "Who was I? <laughs> um, and what was? Why did I have the right to go go meet them? And what are they going to do to me?" Um, <laughs> Then I got to work with uh, Ivar Jakobsen, the, creators, uh, the creator of um, the unified method and use cases and object-oriented uh, development and design and component-based development. I worked with him for several years, and, uh, um, and as you'll hear, probably my path crossed many times with Dave, uh, but got to work directly for Ivar, um, doing work with him, and, and now working with, um, with, with, uh, w- with Ken and Ken Schwaber um on scrum so i mean literally i can put myself and have pictures of myself just like Forrest did with um with these virtual rock stars and being able to be a part of of history certainly when it comes to software development and uh software design not only that i've certainly found that life is definitely like a box of chocolates
2: (laughs) (laughs) i was just gonna quote that (laughs) how about you dave Interesting, yeah. I mean, this is a tricky one, isn't it? Because you know, there's. Uh, I mean, growing up, I always want. I uh, so growing up, I I I didn't necessarily have much interaction with my father, and I always hoped I didn't actually know him, and I, I I I always hoped that Tom Selleck was my dad. So I always, I you know, I used to watch Magnum PI, and I thought to myself, my God, you know, he's my dad, and I pretended, <laughs> but but he wasn't. Uh, and though I do like a good mustache once in a while, like everybody. But actually I was gonna say, um, uh, uh, Star Trek, Next Generation, the films, obviously you said films, uh, Patrick Stewart. Uh, not because um, he's bald, and not because he's the honorary dean of the university I went to, though that's obviously part of it. It's because of the way in which he, ty- he he's always so positive. He always looks to his team to deliver value. He hasn't slapped Councillor Troy, even though she needs a slap once in a while. I think you know she's just uh, drives you mad, as it were. You know, uh, and by the way, I'm not advocating that. I was, I was just uh, she just drives you mad in the episodes, right? Sometimes because she's so like thoughtful, and I was think of her as a great scrum master. And you know, a good scrum master gets you mad a little bit sometimes, which is which is which is good. The other thing I like about um, Patrick Stewart is the environment he lives. Right, it's all about solving problems complex problems i like the fact that he continuously you know engaged let's go forward let's not let's not blame anybody the reason why somebody left the you know the tractor beam on too long and we've burnt out something let's concentrate on the solution um, that we that we can you know moving forward and um, uh, you know so I, I i would like to be patrick Str- and of course he has a fabulous haircut right which is <laughs> Which is really, really, really good. He does have a fantastic, fantastic haircut. So, um, so Patrick Stewart, and recently got married, by the way, which is um, which is fabulous, and uh, is uh, likes to drink red wine, and he seems to be a thoroughly nice chap as well. Jean-Luc Picard, stroke Patrick Stewart.
0: Thank you. Very, very good. And so that kind of leads us into, and you guys have started this. I think where we're going to go with this is our journey to Scrum right? And maybe that, you know, forks into a journey to scrum.org. But how did we get there, right? Because I, what's interesting, every path is different, you know, Barry and Christian, the the Liberators, they did this video series, and this is what kind of kicked this idea for me, like your path to a scrum master. And it seemed like out of the, I I lost count of how many videos they did, but it just seems like every path was so wildly different. Like there was not like this, just clean, clear, oh, first I was a project manager, then I was a, then I was a scrum master and then life was, you know, happily ever after it was this kind of this really interesting mix. And we thought, you know, given that, you know, you two are two of the more, I mean, it's basically Ken and then it's Dave Weston and and Eric Nyberg. I mean, you you know, you got Ken and Jeff at the top, but you two are two of the more visible people in the community with, with one of the main um, training companies, training bodies uh, with scrum, you know, how did you guys get here? Like, what was the path, you know, from, you know, early career, and then hitting that point to where Scrum just—it made sense, and and where that took you. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, I, I just want to pull something up there, Ryan. We're not. And yeah, we operate Scrum. I mean, obviously, um, Scrum.org. Eric is the COO and obviously very heavily involved in the day to day operations and making it happen. And, and obviously, I'm sort of, I guess, figurehead and making some decisions about product, et cetera. But we're part of a massive community. Yep. Just because we, you know, are the, you know, the, the running the organization, it is not, we're not any different or special in that regard I think we're just part of it um I think that's that's really important to know that's the thing that's so cool about the scrum community because it is a community and it is incredibly supportive I think naturally kind very inclusive and uh, generally and 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 I think that that's a, a fundamental part of the the beauty of the the world that we that we work in which which is important. I don't know, Eric. If you want me to to start, I mean, you talked a little bit about your journey, and you're right that we did have many intersection points during that moment. My my journey here was interesting. I, I, I so I went to university, did computer science, like you know, computer um, uh, work, and then graduated and got a job writing COBOL and ADABAS Natural, like anybody that wanted to get a job at that time in the city of London. Um, I was fortunate that I got ended up working in an OO, and because of that object oriented software, C, Smalltalk, that kind of stuff. And that's when I first, in fact, my master's thesis was written about Grady Booch's uh, method, because um, he had those clouds, and they were really hard to draw on an old, you know, on your freelance. Remember freelance? So we used to do these freelance. Oh my God, they were impossible to draw. I was like, I, I moaned to Grady about this. I was like, what the hell were you thinking? It was so difficult to draw, right? Anyway, so um, so I, I I got into objects and I I saw this. Um, he wasn't American, but it's sort of like an American sort of motivational speaker. I always think of a, that guy, you know, that motivational speaker that sort of makes everybody say, yeah, we can do this. He came and presented at my office and he said, um, and he said some really interesting things. One of them was that to be successful, you have to have a mission. And I was working in, you know, just in my master's, I was working in this stuff, and I decided that my mission was to help people build software just a little bit better. Um, And that then took me on a very interesting journey from, from working in an insurance company to working for Rational Software to ended up by accident being part of the RUP team and being the product manager for a while spending time with Grady and Jim and Eva. And that's when I first met Eric. In fact, Eric in 99 came, God, it seems a long time ago, right? When we both had hair, even me, uh, actually, my hair was more like Eric's now, actually, which so maybe I didn't have hair really. But um, we met and we did some customer visits. He was doing this data modeling thing, which I thought was rubbish, by the way. And uh, I was like, why wouldn't you buy Erwin? He goes, I just came from there I was like oh yeah anyway and um, he was doing this thing and we did this tour we got to meet but the butte so I ended up at Rupp and uh, met the working with these amazing thought leaders that had such such great ideas and during this journey obviously I met Ken Schwaber. I then ended up working for Eva interestingly and then we met Ken again Ken Schwaber's first time he met me he told me I was an idiot um, turns out he was actually totally right, which is because I was doing the rep thing. And uh, he said, this is wrong. And he was right. Anyway, so then I went, ended up becoming an analyst and I ended up running the app dev practice at Forrester. Then I did a startup thing, which you have to do. It's so crazy and you learn so much in such a fast period of time. You age as well, but it's, um, it's awesome. And then throughout this time, Ken had become a little bit of a mentor to me. And what was interesting about that was that you know he was advising me, particularly at the startup, but also at Forrester. We did a present, presentation together at Forrester Research, which was definitely an experience. Um, and then he he was mentoring me at, at, at Tasktop, and he ended up like um, sort of ended up sort of interviewing me, I guess. And so he said, "Come and work at Scrum.org." I said, why would I want to do that? I'm building software. I love building software and product, and it's all really exciting. And he goes, come and meet the community. And I met the community. And it just blew me away. And it reminded me, and I know that the, the, the community would hate me for this, and they'd probably throw things, and I apologize. That he reminded me, It reminded me a lot of the RUP community back in the 90s. Passionate people. Oh, my God, so passionate. Caring people. They care about each other, you know. Uh, if somebody says, hey, I need some help here, you get like too much help sometimes. And, you know, yeah, it's the caring community, the passion and the fact that it's something more than just scrum or in, the, in those days up. It's about changing the world. And I really believe that if we can help people work together to effectively solve complex problems. Um, Eric mentioned COVID-19, you know, that, that these complex problems, you know, there's a team of people working on a vaccine. It's not one person. If we can help them work as a team more effectively, or a team of teams, just think what we can do. Just think how we can help mankind. Just think how we can help the future of this civilization, because there's a lot of problems out there. Whether it's climate change, population density, whether it's you know plastic, whether, whatever these things are, whether it's getting me a burger at the right temperature, I don't know whatever those problems are. But we need we need teams. To, been able to do that so that's what brought me to scrum.org and and ken definitely marshalled that passion in me found a community he got a great community connected us up and then i'm i'm a very i'm a very lucky man todd ryan i i i think that every day even in this chaos that we are at the moment it, it's it's such a great opportunity to do something amazing and change the world
1: that's really wow. interesting to hear you. Uh, that that's really interesting too. I keep thinking about what that initial interaction went with you and Eric was like. Right. Um, first, off, I, I'd love, I'd love to see a photo with you with a head of hair. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, we yeah, actually do. There's a couple of photos of me and Eric together doing so, like like doing road shows or working booths together, and we're both young and fresh face. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I I had hair like him. He had hair more. You know, full. Uh, it was uh, not that fall. Interaction was interesting. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what Eric is or some loudmouth English guy, right? I guess. <laughs> I
1: don't know. Yeah, and that's what I was going to ask. So, Eric, um, from from your perspective, you know, Dave's talking about when he first met you as this. You know, you're doing this data modeling thing. What's it like when you run into this, what, six foot, what are you, Dave? Six foot three? Well, I
2: used to be, I was six foot four then. Now I'm six foot three.
1: Six, yeah. yeah, six foot three. <laughs> <laughs> Big, you know, British guy with a lot of passion for a lot of things, which if you haven't met Dave yet, you'll notice right away, he's extremely passionate about what he does. But what, what was it like from 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 your side, Eric? And how did you kind of come into the path with Scrum.org?
3: Yeah, so uh, as Dave said, that was quite a long time ago. Um, I think, I want to I say it was my first trip to Europe. Um, I had moved, so I, I grew up in New Jersey. Uh, I live here in Pennsylvania, just over the border now, but uh, grew up on the East Coast, spent first 30 or so years of my life on the East Coast, and then I had my son, or my wife had my son, I just took part, uh, <laughs> back in uh, 1999 in The day he was born, we told our family we were moving to Seattle. Um, I'd gotten a job to go work with Rational. And uh we said, All right, let's move. So three months later we moved to Seattle. And at some point they said, All right, we need you to go to London and work with the the sales team over there. So I was naive as all heck um anyway, walking into that. So uh yeah, went out and you know, Dave started showing me around, showing me customers. Um, we went to meet some of his clients and talk about what they're doing in the, in the world of data. So in many ways, it was overwhelming in general, to be honest, um, Dave aside, uh, <laughs> but, you know, he was certainly welcoming and, and you know, kind of brought me in to meet with with folks. And and you know, I remember going into their very small little office in London because the big rational office was like, I don't know, 40 minutes outside of London. It was uh it was a little tiny office in the in the banking area, and uh, especially back then, you had to dress in your suit and all of those things. And I had no idea what I was getting into, but um, yeah, so we we did that, and and that kind of kicked it all off. Um, as I said, kind of my journey, my journey really started. Um, it started building houses actually, because I thought hmm, that would be fun, and then realized. Probably I was probably about twenty-five or so that I was in pain every morning getting up. Then I couldn't imagine what it would be like at forty-five and fifty. Um, plus, it was just impossible to get paid because everyone had an excuse. Uh, so I decided, hey, you know what? This software thing seems kind of cool, and I had a business background, so decided to um, go into software and said, "How do I do this? I really want to build stuff, right? I enjoy building stuff. I enjoy architecture. Um, I built. I think I've built probably twenty to." 30 houses over, over my life. And I'm like, this would be kind of cool software. How do I do it? And figured, all right, the only way to really do it is getting the sales because no one's going to hire some construction worker with a business degree that has no software uh, background. So I got into sales and um, selling Irwin and became the first person in that sales organization that actually would demo the product and show the product to the point that it got distracting because other sales folks would come over. Hey, can you help me out with my customer? I'm all about, you got to learn it. You can't, you can't just pitch it. You got to know it and understand it. So I got right into into software development. We're building databases and finally that got me to where I wanted, which is convinced our, uh, our VP of marketing and and product management at the time, Ed McLaughlin to uh, give me a job as as the first ever official product manager for Irwin. And then it kind of just went on from there. Um, We had gotten bought a couple of times and um, a bunch of people went over to rational and said, Hey, come with us. So they invited me to come with the caveat. You got to move to uh, Seattle, which is really, really far away. Um, You don't realize, you know, "Eh, five hours on a, on a plane is no big deal. Well, yeah, but that plus three hours of uh, time zone differences. And you, you just left your family with your newborn grandchild and, they want to see them at every holiday it's really far away so um so i worked in rational worked on rational rose was product manager for rose built a data modeling tool um did a whole bunch of stuff and like i said earlier i got really lucky in many ways um and then decided we wanted to get back to the east coast get closer to family uh started looking for other jobs and looking for other things to do and my wife did as well she had a couple job offers i did Finally went to my boss and said, hey, Roger, uh, I want to move back to the East Coast. What can I do? And I've got some job offers. And he said, well, I'm looking to move too. come with me. And um, we're looking to to really enhance what we're doing at Rational from a technical perspective, outbound talking to customers, not just this marketing stuff So come help do it. So we moved back, ended up in Massachusetts for 10 years. Um, I was there for a couple months and Dave and I were working in a show together and I said, hey, come join me. We need more help. And so we moved him across from Vancouver to, uh, to, to, uh, to Boston as well. And then, uh, did IBM for a while and, you know, uh, always building products, always about building products Uh, of many, um, roles in product management, primarily, um, taking in, in, not just understanding what to build, but working with customers to define what's the right solution and working with the development team to define, you know, what do we need and you guys development team figure out the how um, I'm not the how person I'm the, I'm the, what um, working really closely with customers to interpret what their requirements are Turn down what I'd call the happy years. Don't get all excited just because one customer said one thing. Let's uh, let's, let's really survey them, understand them, get their feedback. Right? Yeah, I'm kind of getting into empiricism here. And and start to uh, start to figure out what that stuff is and, and how do we build it. So I've worked on multiple product teams, helping to define and, and build and, and really grow products from some startups from the ground up, where I've been at ten person companies all the way to IBM, four hundred fifty thousand size of Rhode Island.
1: I was really tempted to ask you if you ran from Seattle to Boston. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did not run that far,
3: but <laughs> if I did, I'd have that beard.
0: <laughs> Very nice. So, so as you guys uh, talk about your journeys and, and just the evolution of it, so now you are where you are, right? So now you're, um, part of scrum.org. And, and you're right, Dave, it's a massive community. It's a, it's a great community of people. Um, as you think through that, that journey up until now, like, what would you say was would be one of the bigger lessons you're pulling from the past and bringing into, um, you know, whether it's what we're facing right now um, as, as, as a world or whether it's what we're facing right now as an industry, you know, what do you think the big lesson as you've as you've shifted through these different um, different modes, different companies, different types of ways of working. Like what's the big thing you've brought forward that's really helping kind of drive the next set of, of evolutions and next set of ideas that you're going to go and, and work on? So, so I Dave,
3: think- can I, can I nice. take part of that first? Because I want to actually flip that around. Yeah. If that's okay, right? Um, yeah, you know, so I, I want to think back to me joining Scrum.org because this leads to it. Um, and, and prior to that, um, you know, uh, when I was working with Ivar Jakobson, you know, we helped roll out scrum actually it's really really large insurance companies um and, and learned a lot from that what to do what not to do and all of that but i'll never forget so you know dave and i have kind of mentored each other through the years as well and uh, dave was talking about coming to scrum.org and of course he hadn't told me he, he agreed with ken yet when he asked me what i thought um, so I guess I got played a little, but uh, talked to him about what he was going to be doing and, and doing it. And we said, yeah, maybe in a year or two, well, you'll, I'll come join and help out. And my daughter that that night, um, I guess she was probably about 15, said, you're going to work with Mr. Dave soon, aren't you? I'm like, no, nah, someday. She goes, no, it's going to be real soon. And two months later, we were together. But I, I, I tell that because, um, I, I, and I want to flip that a little bit because I'll never forget my first face-to-face. And I tell this story a lot, actually. Uh, When uh, So Scrum.org, professional Scrum trainers, they all have to attend at least one face-to-face meeting every year with Scrum.org and other trainers to learn from each other and help each other. And everyone told me what a great community this was. Kind of like what Dave said when Ken talked to him about this great community. And I was pretty skeptical, to be honest, even though everyone told me. I'm still like, yeah, a bunch of consultants, a bunch of trainers. They all think they're smarter than the next one. They're going to try to outsmart each other and, and show each other up. And I, I've, I've been in this consulting land for a long, you know, many, many years now. I, I don't believe it, but all right, I'll, I'll bite. Um, so I went to my first face to face in 2016, I guess it was uh, in Columbus, yeah. Ohio yeah. and um, was blown away. Absolutely blown away. Um the fact that these people, you know, people like the two of you, Todd, you may have even been there. I don't remember, but, um, who, who work together, but also compete, um, and, and do things together, but also compete. Um, we're just getting along and not outsmarting each other and holding, holding breakout sessions where they were teaching each other how to do the things that they do, even though they run into each other and may compete with each other. And and not once did I hear anybody try to you know, show up another person or anything It was a hundred percent collaborative and a hundred percent just people working together and and that blew me away so i brought in and the reason i said i'll turn it on its head a little bit ryan is uh,
0: you
3: know i brought in actually something that i threw out very quickly which is this notion that there's no way this community could be as as, as i don't know cool as as it is and collaborative right as it is and because i didn't i I really did not expect it, even though I was told, and maybe I, I should have, but I should have been more of a believer. Uh, it it, it really—that I'll, I'll never forget that first face-to-face in Columbus.
2: And I, I think it's illustrative of what we need to. So you asked about what I'm bringing to this, and what we're bringing from our past, and the, the, the need for community to build and sustain value and learning over the long haul. I think that the most important thing that scrum.org can do is scale that. And and, and by the way, I don't totally know how to, so if anybody is listening to this um, YouTube video or whatever, if they can provide, you know, dave.west at Scrum.org, then the mechanisms to really take that because, you see, one thing about, you know, I said that the mission of scrum.org is to basically help teams solve complex problems because the world's got a lot of problems and the only way to do that is with teams and teams of teams, right? So what I'm very aware of, though, is a team is not an island and never should be. I've, and that might mean that you have to work with other people in your organization, but it also might mean that you have to work with people outside your organization. We're seeing that today in the response to COVID-19 and the like. We're seeing cross-functional teams get built. We're seeing them call on other teams and other people to help them. If we could build that at scale across the world. And do it in a professional way do it and it allows people to develop and and get accreditation and a, and, a, and a be a, you know have the appropriate safeguards in place to ensure people are talking the same language have the same values because i think eric one of the reasons why our community jails so well is because of the values that they they all share and i think that our team and particularly you know the PST sort of intake team, if there is such a thing, it's really a couple of people and everybody's sort of involved. But I think we've done a really good job of making sure that people join our community, not just because they know Scrum, yes, they all know Scrum, not just because they're really good trainers, yes, they are fabulous trainers, not because they have really good haircuts, um, though they all have fabulous haircuts, it's because they have those values. You know, the, and, and some of it requires learning on their part, which is which is really interesting because humble and kind is, you know, it's a obviously it's a, a song, but it's it, it's so, so important. And having that, you know, going into a conversation going, I don't know all the answers. Here's something I've done. How about this? Let's let's riff on that. Let's you know that sort of uh, I, I, I guess it's they should because there are many of them are scrum masters. Right. But but it, it's so, so important now. What what we're trying to do at scrum.org is we're not, yes, we do training. Yes, we do certification. Yes, we have a lot of great online resources about Scrum. But what we're trying to do ultimately long-term is build that learning community. And I call it learning because that's what I consider helping each other is. It's about helping people learn stuff in the context of their problems and get better at their craft. And if we can do that, if we can take that That first face-to-face that Eric, Eric, I remember when he came back from it, he was like, dude, these, you know, I mean, he's from, he's from New Jersey, you know, he's got, so he doesn't trust any, not that you don't trust anybody, Eric, but you (laughs) naturally come across, you're like, yeah, you know, he's worked with loads of consultants and, and then he's like, dude, this is different. There's something here that's unique and special. If we can scale that my God, just think, imagine, Ryan, you know, instead of having this sort of, bizarre, imagine that you're working in a team and I don't know, what is it? You're working on gene therapy or working on the next generation of driverless cars. You're working on drones. I don't know what you're working on. Imagine if you've got a support network of thousands of people that are similar minded to you. Imagine if you can call on them. Imagine if you know that there's a a professional trainer that can come in and help your team all understand a concept, or you, or you, you can, or that this they've got this shared understanding of empiricism to help them. Imagine how powerful that would be.
0: Well, and the nice part, Dave, is I don't have to imagine it. We have it. <laughs> we exactly. do and not so at scale I mean, yet. though. No. <laughs> it's not at scale. But like you know, we, we've talked about the journeys into Scrum and Scrum.org. I and I'm seeing a trend pop up. For me, it was actually the community. I mean, so I I started as a developer um did that for many many years and i mean i'm no longer a developer i've had to give up that mantle the last time i wrote java code java was at version 1.3 maybe 1.4 and now it's at version 13 i'm no longer a developer right i'm i'm kind of out of it but um, i think now you know as I, as i think about you know that path it was it was scrum or it was uh, developer to project manager um, and I was a straight up like PMBOK loving PMI following project manager. Right. And I thought that I was doing some right things there, uh, you know, and then it was in 2012, 2012, I go to this class in Seattle, Washington. So at the ALM conference, I don't even think it exists anymore. Um, Ken did a class. He did a yeah. one day workshop and it had Richard Hundhausen, um, Steve Porter, Ken Schwaber, David Starr, um, Macau was there. Um, it was just a, a bunch of PSTs uh, working with Ken on a on a one day class. And in the first five minutes, I watched Ken kind of open up the course, throw a person out of the course, um, and completely open my mind up to this idea that what I believed was possibly not correct. And it was a very it was a very impactful first hour <laughs> of of an eight hour experience, right? And, and during it um i mean you just come out of it different and after that after the initial class ken stuck around for a day um he were, he was willing to talk with some of us he was just so kind and and giving with his time um really patient with us who we weren't some of us were resisting the ideas but he he showed a lot of patience that day um and then you got guys like steve and and, and richard uh, hundhausen and you know they just kind of come around you and it wasn't like a, they weren't looking down on us they were helpful you know they actually wanted us to get it they wanted us to take the ideas back they wanted us and and they supported us after it was funny when i became a pst um six or seven years later hunthausen when it was announced sent me the picture of me in that workshop he was yes. like, i remember when you were here and i thought that's amazing that he remembered i was in that workshop that he kept that picture that he found it that he sent it you know, Steve has been uh, a mentor to to Todd and I for a number of years. You know, you and you know, Dave and and Eric both have, you know, have been in our ear and working with us and been super supportive for years. And then finally, what was it two years ago? You know, kind of pulled the trigger on this, came into the community, and I same experience that that Eric had. It was because I had the same kind of cynical thought where, all right, I've just entered a community of people. I'm now technically competing with them. Right, because we are, there is some financial stuff going on there. But everyone was like, hey, here's how you get your business going, that you should do an S-Corp instead of an LLC, because then you can do this kind of tax stuff. Like they were all, and by the way, when you set up your first class, let me know if you want to co-teach, I'll help you. I mean, it was just like, we're not, I mean, we're supposed to compete, but it was just a super supportive community. And you come into it and it's just, well, today I got on a call. So there's a a training company that I don't work for, but I do some, consult that I'll, I'll do some classes for. And they're like, Ryan, how do we switch to this virtual environment? And so I'm just, I mean, I technically compete with them. I'm not really getting paid, but it's like, no, we're part of this community. We're gonna figure this out. And so we're all like with different interests, with different motivations, with different needs. Like we think, you know, these four things are necessary and here's some technology I've tried. And it's just sharing. And it, I've never seen it anywhere else. I've never seen a leadership team like you guys who are actually focused on keep it positive, um, don't don't wreck the culture don't wreck the community like that i 've never seen you actually make a decision that was financially driven that would wreck the community, and i don 't think you'll ever do it. like we, that kind of that just that that value
1: it it 's just so amazing. You know what this reminds me of Ryan? This reminds me where you and I became friends. We were sitting in a breakout session talking about how to build a training business, and so to to date and sharing everything that we knew. and there was like 10 people in the session and to Dave's point imagine the world that we could live in if everybody was so open with their information like that it'd be a world of abundance Todd yes
2: it would be a world this this concept of like I mean dare I say it this this concept of you know secrets and protecting businesses and things like that obviously you can't go around stealing stuff that that goes without saying but ultimately I think that you're better off collaborating because the the whole thing grows, you know, we've seen that with our scrum community. I mean, obviously, Uh, with with scrum alliance earlier with with ken and the like the 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 bottom line is that what there's lots of us talking about scrum and all it's happened is the market has increased let's look at the netherlands they have more scrum trainers per capita than i think anything else in the world you know like every other person is a scrum trainer it's like doctors in boston you know There's, there's just so many of them but the market, but they sustain because one, it allows, you know, them to build stuff in addition, like you've got the liberators doing some really cool stuff. You've got, you've got Ron doing some stuff on leadership, working in management three You've got all of this. Stuff. It just, it just gets us all better. So Todd, I think that it creates abundance, this yeah. collaboration.
1: Well, think about, uh, let's talk, uh, we could talk about Linux all day. Exactly. <laughs> right
2: or android but that's a whole different set of abundance <laughs> yeah. right um, but the yeah I, I i think i just it just makes sense and it just feels right as well you know spiritually emotionally all of these things just click into place when you're part of something and yes there will be situations where you compete that's it get that cool. but you do it in a professional and straightforward manner a manner that allows you to sleep at night and then ultimately, the it ends in a good place because guess what? The other person that won that business then goes, "Hey, Rye, Todd, could you come and help?"
0: Yep.
3: Well, and and, and, it's crazy. and I think the community is all focused on the on uh, they all believe in the same thing. So not only do they believe in the community aspect of it, not only do they believe in you know the mission of, of helping people and teams solving complex problems, but they believe in what. Ken has built, and they believe in Scrum, and they believe that that Scrum is a way to help deal with this complexity. Um, not just, yeah, you know, it's not just about the community, but it's having a common focus and a common goal and a common belief. Yep. I think. It's are the are God, you actually right?
1: saying a common goal and focus? <laughs> I can get a be. bunch of people.
2: Damn you and your Scrum stuff. That, that's one thing that does annoy us community. Whenever you do anything, they use Scrum. And, they it up and you're like, all right, whatever.
0: Maybe there is some brilliance to it.
2: <laughs> oh, it. It really, I mean, it is brilliant. I mean, yeah, so I was using it at, at, at Tasktop with a startup, and we were doing some stuff. And, and it's just all the things that Ken told me I should do that I didn't do. It turns out. I really should have done and there is some absolutely and I know we get a lot of haters fair enough you know there's definitely difference of opinion and and that's good because we learn from it you know uh, at the end of the day though my experience is that most of that hating or, or distrust of Scrum isn't actually that Scrum's at fault because Scrum can't be at fault it's just a set of ideas it's it's basically either a misinterpretation or the way it's been taught to them or language that's being used at the end of the day the ideas of empiricism self-organization continuous improvement wrapped in that very clear framework just makes loads of sense
3: in in lack of support so my first scrum project i guess i'll say that i worked on was at this large insurance provider in the midwest and we had the best senior vice president we could dream of uh, because he measured everything and he measured everything before and he measured everything after and he was willing to put his neck on the line to talk about it. And that's what really made this successful. It's what really made it click in many ways for me. And this was back in geez, probably 2005, 2006, somewhere yeah. around there. And, and you know, he, he could, he got out, we, we, we held it in all hands for, they have 10, 12, and, some large number of tens of thousands of development team members. And he held in all hands in the cafeteria and went through the numbers and said, this is what it's like for our teams who, who, who are not using Scrum. And this is what it's like for our teams who are using Scrum. And he was able to get down to the value they were delivering, the amount of time it was, the the, the rework that it took, all of those things. And he had the passion for it. And him having the passion for it helped it bleed through the organization, certainly helped it bleed through me as well. Um, but he had that evidence and, and and he supported the teams to make the change. And you know, so I, I'd say, when did I become really a believer in this agile thing? It was probably then watching him present.
2: I wish I knew where he was now. <laughs> Hopefully super successful sitting on the beach drinking a margarita.
0: That is the dream. And well, guys, speaking of drinks, I think we're empty. Same. Have we hit the time box?
3: We yeah, have. Dave's a slow drinker, but the rest of us are done.
1: No, I had a very big And <laughs> <laughs> I know, maybe I you. So, so did too. I, Dave. Mine's empty. Yeah, all right, all right. <laughs> I, I thought so. I thought you used to play rugby, Dave. Mm. Very Important. badly,
2: it turns out. <laughs> yes. Well,
1: cool. guys,
0: we appreciate you doing this. Uh, know that you're you're super busy, but I think it's fun to to get people on a call, have a beer. Tell a few stories, maybe a few lies, and and just have have the chance to hang out. And uh, so we really appreciate this. It's nice to to be able to do this. And uh, for me, and I'm sure Todd agrees. It's just in a in a quick thank you, you know, because you're you're absolutely right. You know, we get the opportunity to um, to believe in and work towards you know that thing that Ken set forward, and we we definitely believe in that, and it's just joyful work. So even in a time when things are uncertain, we still have this great opportunity to, to be in this community, to do joyful work, to try to put good things into the world while people are are unsure and upset and, and not sure what to do next. And so it's just an, it's an awesome life. It's an awesome opportunity. And we're so glad that you guys are there to, to lead it, uh, to preserve it, uh, and to let us be a part of it. Thank,
2: thank you. you for being part of yeah, it. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, All right, Sam. Todd.
0: That's another uh, Craft Brewed Agile, right?
1: Another beer down.
0: Another beer down. <laughs> All right. Until next time, uh, my beer drinking friend and to the audience <laughs> out there, thanks for watching. And uh, we will fire up another one soon.
1: Cheers.